Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's guest. One player that I always made a point to go watch when I was uh, with Nung Lam on the nine-man circuit. One of everybody's favorite players. So this guy played at UC Santa Cruz, where he played indoor. On the nine-man circuit, he's won six majors, including a three-peat with Smash. He's considered by many to be the best server on the circuit. And like I said, one of the best players for sure. Please welcome to the show, Justin Lamb. Justin, thanks for doing this, man. Hey, Josh. Good to be on here. Uh, thanks for having me. So I think people who, who know you would probably know your start in our sport, but I'm curious just for our other listeners, what other sports did you play growing up and when did you start kind of taking volleyball pretty seriously? Yeah, um, growing up, I played basketball and baseball. Those were kind of the two major sports that I played uh, from third grade uh, onward. And then um, I started playing volleyball in high school. So that was the first time I was able to play organized volleyball. Uh, but I actually grew up around the sport. Uh, both of my parents played indoors as well as in the nine-man circuit. Um, so it, it was great to be around the sport when I was younger, uh, getting to travel with them to the majors, and then uh, finally get to play uh, in high school and start to, to develop my skills there. Nice, nice. And actually, I was surprised you and I were talking before when we were just chatting about trying to get you on the show that you played with a friend of the show, Nate Go. So was your high school, uh, would you label it a volleyball school? Was there a lot of guys that were pretty passionate about the sport? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it wasn't a volleyball school. Actually, our freshman year, so Nate was in, my, in, in the same class as I was. Uh, our varsity team, uh, they were the last, last place in the league. And so um, we, we weren't very strong uh, as a program. And so uh, our freshman year, we had a really solid group of guys that really just stuck to the sport and we developed together. Um, and, and we were able to kind of turn that program around, um, our senior year, we came in second within our league. We lost in the finals of, of the playoffs, the sectional finals. Um, but that was kind of the best finish that the school has ever had. So, you know, really proud that we were able to do that as a team. Um, and yeah, Nate's a good friend, uh, shout out to Nate. Um, it was a, it was definitely a fun ride in high school, kind of developing from being the bottom to kind of getting to the top there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'm curious because nine man doesn't really have ages, right? It's pretty well evaluation friendly that if you're good enough, you're old enough, right? The way the pools move and things like that. Do you remember how old you were the first tournament like you officially played in? Uh, yeah, I, I think I was around 16 to 17. Um, that was the first year I got to play uh, in the majors in Toronto in 2005. But yeah, nine man was always around, uh, you know, growing up. And so I I started playing nine men like closer to eighth grade and going into high school, um, but never really got to travel until I was about 16 to 17 with with a team called West Coast. Nice, nice. And I'm wondering with your later start, I think in our era, it wasn't a late start, but I think kids today get to play club and organize volleyball a little sooner. But did you have post-secondary dreams or did that kind of approach when your high school team was, like you said, improving and starting to climb and get it better and better? Is that when you got interest to play at the next level? Yeah, I, I've always loved the sport, um, you know, ever since I started and, and just had a desire to just get better, you know, and, and you know, the sport was going to be in my life regardless if I was able to play um, in college. Um, but yeah, after my senior year, I got uh, recruited to go play at UC Santa Cruz. Um, they're a D3 school. And so I uh, was able to play college, which was a great experience. Um, you know, we were the only uh, D3 school in the West Coast. And so we actually got an opportunity to play a lot of the D1 schools out here. Um, so we played like UC Irvine when they won the national title, Stanford, the Shoji Brothers uh, when they won the title in 2010. 
Um, so those, those are really great opportunities just to play at a really high level, even though we're a D3 school. Yeah, yeah. Just to clarify for our listeners, because I think D3 might get a certain label, but like you said, you being a West Coast guy, there's just got to be a ton of good volleyball players out there. So with your experience going from a good high school program to college, was there a jump there for you and you felt like you were still getting better? Or did you feel like you belonged as soon as you got there because you'd already been playing for as long as you have both on the nine man and the indoor circuit? Yeah, it was, it was a little bit of both. I would definitely say the speed and, and the competition at Santa Cruz, just because they were an established program with a lot of good players. Um, I, I definitely learned a lot, you know, and uh, coming off of high school, you know, where we were kind of up there, um, you know, winning and things like that, uh, just kind of knew that I had the skill sets, but I had to develop at that level. And it gave me an opportunity in college to kind of play certain roles before moving into a starting role. So my first and second year, I was a, like a serving specialist slash libero at the time. And then my junior year, um, I got transitioned to play outside and, and start and hit and basically got that starting position uh, starting junior and senior year. Um, so it definitely uh, was an opportunity for me to learn at that level. But I felt that I had the skill sets to be able to compete at that level and just wanted to get better. Now, fill us in with your conference. Like when you say you were one of the only teams on the West Coast, like were you guys flying to games? Were you taking like these gnarly bus rides? Like what was the competition schedule like for you? Yeah, so we basically, because we were the only D3 school, essentially we would have to go to these conference tournaments, uh, which were like in the Midwest. So we would make a couple of trips out there to play and then basically pack our schedule, right? It was a tournament where we would be able to play multiple D3 schools uh, within that short road trip uh, and then come back to the West Coast. And so that's really the only times that we played against the D3 schools uh, was through those tournaments. Um, and that's how we were able to get you know, our rankings and things like that as we compared, uh, as we competed against kind of the top schools in the nation in the D3 level. Awesome. Awesome. And you mentioned your parents were involved in nine man. Is that who you started with? Cause there are a few clubs, excuse me, you're from the Bay area, right? Like there's a few clubs out there. So who did you start with and was it the same club as your parents? Yeah. So we, uh, in terms of like indoor volleyball, uh, my parents played, you know, uh, they grew up playing, but they didn't actually play like organized volleyball, like club. Um, and so after my freshman year in high school, uh, you know, with Nate, essentially the high school, uh, our coach created a club for us. Um, and so we were basically playing with our high school team in the club season. That's how we were able to develop as a group. Uh, we were, we were uh, you know, 14, 15 years old playing in the A-teams division because, you know, we just didn't have enough guys. And so we had to compile uh, our team and, and basically uh, build a team to be able to go play club. Um, and so that was the first year of the club that uh, we played at Colts Lancha. They're still around today. And some of our guys that play on Smash, uh, they're coaching or running the club. And so it's great to see it around. But, yeah, we didn't have organized volleyball really around in San Francisco uh, until, you know, uh, our coach was able to create a club for us uh, our freshman year. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds like you've had a pretty unique journey through our sport. So. Uh, specifically nine man, did you follow your parents' footsteps and play for that club or did you kind of break off and, and play your first nine man major with a different club? Yeah, it was a different club. I think uh, a lot of the teams uh, that my parents played for, uh, they played with a lot, well, they played with their friends, right? And so um, those teams didn't have like farm systems or um, really any like established club there. Um, it was just really that team. Um, and so 
when I started playing nine man, that's kind of how I got connected with West coast. Um, I had a, a friend, Brant, who, uh, who, whose dad, Kelly, who um, ran the club. And so essentially um, that's who I played with in the beginning uh, when it came to nationals. But when it was the local tournaments that we hosted, it was still our high school guys. Um, so that's really how we, we kicked off the nine man. Um, how, how I kicked off my nine man career was really playing the local tournaments with my friends and then being able to travel uh, with West Coast a little bit later uh, in my high school career. Nice. Yeah. Let a, let me know, first of all, but also our listeners as well. So with with my involvement, it's mostly been with the Toronto Club. Well, it's all been with the Toronto Club with Nung Lum. So we would get fired up for like Canada Day. Uh, we mm-hmm. would go to the New York Mini and then obviously the major would be the one circled on everybody's calendar. So with you being a West Coast guy, when you say local tournaments, like what are kind of some pillars in the schedule that uh, everybody would look forward to playing on the West Coast? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot different, uh, you know, on the West Coast since, you know, there's, there's a really small group of teams over here. And so um, those local tournaments were really kind of our pillars of how we were able to compete against the local teams in San Francisco. Um, you know, luckily, San Francisco has had some pretty good teams and good, good competition. Um, so we really could test ourselves and see how we were performing against those teams at that time. I think we, we would typically have around three to four tournaments uh, within the season before uh, the majors. And so that was a really good opportunity for us to, to kind of step back from, you know, our day-to-day practice and be able to compete and really just uh, measure how we're doing and where we need to improve. Um, but yeah, naturally, uh, you know, the New York mini is a great opportunity. Uh, and we were able to do that a couple of years ago. We combined with uh, an LA team called Mad Dogs and that was a really great opportunity just to go out there and have a good time and, and compete and really just see how the New York Mini was run. It, it's really, it feels like the Nationals uh, tournament, really, uh, minus the West Coast team. So it was a really good opportunity just to, to play some really high competition and, and see where we need to improve for, for the majors. Yeah, I was always a fan of the New York Mini because it just felt like pure nine-man. Or I think the majors sometimes, depending where it is, it's kind of weather-dependent. So some people like to get an indoor facility, get sport court, and make it look real nice. But I think the New York Mini playing you know, on a tennis court, essentially, and there's when you get into those important matches, it's three or four people deep. And you, you kind of get a feeling like they're, they're chirping you or they're betting on you or something's going on. But there's actually like fans there. So I, I always like the mini because it kind of felt like genuine nine man volleyball. So with you playing as long as you have, is there any venue that sticks out in your mind that like it, it's a tournament you look forward to or you're excited when they're hosting the major? Yeah, I mean, I think every city has a, a unique um, experience for the tournament. And I think I would agree with you, Josh. I think the New York Mini does a really good job of, of keeping that culture there, right? It, 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 they play it in the middle of Chinatown. You have, you know, a lot of these older Chinese folks that came from, came from Toysan who are big volleyball fans around the course. And, and uh, it does very much feel like you're, you're in China um, and, and playing the sport, uh, which I did get an opportunity to do as well. Um, but yeah, I think the New York Mini has a really unique feel. Uh, because it does feel like the majors, but you're you're playing outdoors. You're playing uh, in the middle of Chinatown. You get to walk across the street and grab, you know, some watermelon juice, some dumplings. It's 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 an experience that um, I, I really appreciate, uh, just because there is no, nothing like that, especially in the majors now, because we have so many teams. Um, you do have to go to different venues and things like that. That you just kind of lose that feel that that you know that people have had previously. You know, when the tournament first started. Uh, that you still get within the New York Mini. 
Now you mentioned like you guys were able to partner with a team with Mad Dogs, which I think is pretty cool because I'm not, well, I shouldn't overstep, but I think in Toronto, that would be a little harder just because I think there are some rivalries where like if Connex asked me to do anything, the answer is probably no. Like if it, if it happened with indoor volleyball outside or beach is probably a yes, but in the nine man realm, not a chance. Right. So with you getting along with mad dogs and I think fresh is always good. I think Jin Long is another good West coast team. Like what is the feeling out there when you guys go to tournaments? Is there a rivalry or you know that you're going to need to just play good matches to get ready for the major? Like, is there, is there any sense of rivalries on the West coast? Um, I mean with those teams, uh, not really. I think, um, you know, there are certain clubs that, we, we do love to compete against, you know, in, in Dragons and in their program there. Um, but essentially, you know, for the most part, the community here on the West Coast, um, it does very much feel like, you know, we're just trying to really keep the sport alive. Um, and that's that's the approach that we have with our club is really just to, to educate people about the sport and really have them fall in love with the sport. Um, and then from there, make really good friendships and relationships. And then from that, you know, that, that opens up opportunities to play with other people um, that are not, uh, you know, that you don't normally get to play with at, you know, the majors. Um, so I think it's a really unique environment here in San Francisco and in the Bay Area. Um, it's, it's a different approach, but I think uh, we, we, we like to kind of expand uh, with who we get to play with, and it makes it just that much more fun. Nice, nice. And with you... When in your younger days, when you're either playing like club at a youth level or when you were in university, did you like changing from in, indoor to nine man or were the rules sometimes a little tricky? Like when I coached at George Brown, I felt it always took about three to four weeks for guys to actually like penetrate on their block again or do some little skills that maybe you get used to playing nine man all summer. So I was wondering what your experience was going back and forth from a collegiate level and then also playing at a high nine man level. Was there was there any habits that you had to kind of build and go for that your coach was just going crazy over in the beginning? No, actually, I, I really utilize nine man as an opportunity to improve my skills in sixes. Um, I think I think a lot of the different uh, opportunities you get in nine man, where it's that quick transition set, because when when you do touch it on a block, it counts as a hit. Um, it just works on a lot of uh, my my technique, right? When it comes to footwork and hitting the offset balls that translate to sixes, and so uh, for me, I didn't really have as much trouble transitioning back and forth. I really used it as a, a way to improve certain aspects of my game that I can translate back to the collegiate game. So, um, yeah, it's been, it, it's, it's another way of being able to play high competition volleyball, um, outside of indoors, um, and, and to work on certain skills. Now you kind of touched on this earlier, we talked about going through your collegiate career and just getting a chance to be kind of a, more of a leader as you come like an upperclassman and go through the cycle. I'm wondering, did nine man feel the same? Like when you started playing for West coast, was there older guys on the team and you kind of had to accept like the rookie role and then you kind of graduate through the system or, or how did it feel when you kind of started playing for a team that was going to be like a, a tier two or excuse me, a tier one team at the major and expected to win championships and things like that. Like how did you feel your roles developed over your career? Yeah, I think um, I definitely at West Coast, uh, it was a unique team just because we didn't practice. Uh, we basically had a lot of uh, guys come in from from different parts of the country. Um, and then we also had professional players on our team, such as like Kevin Wong, Scott Wong, Mike Lambert. I got to play with it for one year. Um, and so we didn't we didn't practice. Essentially, we met people at the tournament. Uh, we'd get our jerseys and we just try to go figure it out day one. And so there wasn't that type of hierarchy in, in that aspect. But 
I think that as you as I got more comfortable with how to play the sport, um, you know, more confident in my skills um, and just learning a lot. You know, my dad taught me a ton in terms of the mindset of the game. Um, and that's really where I think that's helped me to to really progress as a as a player um, to be able to pass that on to, you know, my teammates now and to to players that are wanting to learn. Um, that's how I naturally moved into that leadership role and then be able to kind of play with, with my friends. I think that's kind of what kind of my journey of, of nine man was essentially, I played with West coast, you know, got an opportunity to play at a really high level. And then I also saw, you know, I was missing that aspect of the sport where, you know, my friends were, you know, while they weren't, you know, in the gold division, they were, you know, they were working hard, they were practicing, um, and then at the tournament, having like inside jokes and, you know, just not being a part of that. That's something that I wanted to be a part of. And so that's when I naturally stepped away from West Coast and, and built uh, a team uh, in Smash where we were playing with our friends and, and we can work together on this journey of trying to win a championship. Amazing. Yeah. And if it's not too personal, would you mind just sharing with us that mindset that you and your father kind of discussed and that you like to play with? Like, is there either an example through your playing style or just an explanation you can give us about what you feel like your mindset is when you're playing? Yeah. I mean, he, he's taught me a lot of different things. Um, you know, when I was growing up, just different ways of, of how to approach the game. Um, you know, and I, I really pride myself in being a well-rounded player. Um, and he taught me that, you know, there are going to be games when you don't pass well and you don't hit well. You know, what are the other aspects of, this, of, of the game that you're going to contribute to help your team win? Right. And I think that mentality and, and learning how to approach the game um, really has helped my game tremendously. You know, I think like even after after a game, uh, you know, maybe there's a certain area that I can improve on. Just kind of talk me through it and, and help me understand how. You know, adding a roll shot into your game would really help because they're sitting on the back line waiting for your hit, you know, and, and, and things like that. That's really some, something that, you know, I I needed as a player and it helped me understand kind of the philosophy of how to approach the game, which which then helped me to kind of develop even further. Um, so, yeah, I really appreciate, you know, everything that he's given me within the sport and, and just the mentality. I think, you know, nine man. Uh, you know, it's it's not a professional sport. And so, you know, for me, I think it's all about the experience that you get from Nine Man and seeing him playing Nine Man uh, with all his friends and talking about memories with his friends, where my, you know, uncles and aunties in, in the Chinese culture, we call them uncles and aunties, um, you know, them sharing their, their stories at uh, playing volleyball. Uh, those are the memories that I remember. And those are the memories that um, I think that I'm, I'm, I want to build with my friends, you know, when we grow older, we can talk about, you know, the, the funny stories and things like that, that we get to experience, um, in the nine man circuit. That's awesome, man. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, I'm wondering just to circle back to West coast, how did you feel your own, you know, perception of the majors and how other people thought of West Coast. Because as you mentioned, like having pro players that, you know, I've heard stories over the years where Kevin Wong wouldn't even show up for the first day. He'd show up on the second day, right? So there's this ringer reputation in a sport that's mostly based on community, right? So with all these people talking and having opinions or spreading rumors about West Coast, how did you guys either deal with that or try to ignore like that outside noise that was being said about you guys? Yeah, I mean... It's definitely, we did have that reputation. I think, um, you know, for me, just because I was such a young player at the time, 
I, I saw it more as an opportunity. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't really into the noise of what people were saying. I think for for me, it was being able to play with such amazing players and kind of learning from them, as well as well as getting to play against really high level um, teams. Right when you're when you're talking about third day at nationals, uh, getting to play in the quarters, the semis, and the finals. Um, I think those experiences were what really stood out to me. Um, the noise I, I didn't really listen to, honestly. Um, I wasn't one of those ringers. So <laughs> it was it was one of those things where, you know, I, I was there just to play play ball and, and, and be able to test my skills and, and see where I needed to improve for the next year. Now, because it was early on in your career, I'm wondering, were you getting like secret reps with another club or how are you getting touches on the ball? Because like you mentioned, your club didn't have like an organized practice schedule. So how did you go the whole season without touching a ball? Like what did another club or another buddy help you out? Or was it your sixes background that helped you? I'm just wondering how did you prepare for the major in those other tournaments? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we still play nine man, uh, you know, locally it would just be my friend. Like we, we had, my friends had a different team called Renegades um, at that time. And so we were still playing nine man. Um, and so I was, you know, with them, you know, we would practice at our high school, run, run practices and, and just try to get better uh, as individuals. And so that's, that's how I was able to continue to improve my skill sets in nine man. But when it came to the actual tournament, that's when I would go play with West coast. Um, and then we would also have, uh, there's a league out here in, in the Bay Area. It's a really high, uh, high competitive league. Um, it's a men's league with XD1 players. Um, and so I got to, I was introduced to that uh, at a pretty young age, around 16, um, where, you know, we're playing against these D1, uh, XD1 players or current D1 players at Stanford. And that, that was another great outlet for me to con- continue to improve and, and keep that competitive mindset, right? Because I think that practice sometimes, um, you know, it's a lot about reps. And I think when you start to play really competitive um, matches, uh, you just kind of get in that mindset of, all right, what do I need to work on? Uh, you know, how do we, how do we compete against this team? Um, and just really be able to go out there and play at a high level. Um, that's that, Those are the two outlets that um, helped me prepare for the majors. Nice, nice. And my last question about West Coast, I'm just wondering about how how either the team or how you personally dealt with expectations. Like, I'm wondering when you guys did take down a championship, was there a sense of relief or just a sense of confidence because that's what you were supposed to do? Or, or how did the team talk about expectations? Because obviously bringing in pro players and not training, there was still high, high expectations. So did you feel like you were LeBron creating the super team or, and you, you had to win, like that was the only option? Or what was it like with you being a younger guy on that team and, and going to these tournaments and figuring out everybody's name on the first day of majors? Like, what, was it win, win or nothing? Or what was the, the, the talk within the circle? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Kelly who ran who ran West Coast, he did a really good job of not trying to put a ton of pressure on us to win. Um, I think he had this personality of just like really enjoying enjoying the the community, enjoying the tournament. But yeah, I think that there are there are some expectations, right, when you start to bring in some of these professional players. But Kelly really did a good job of of making sure that we just kind of were in our own skin and just had a good time. You know, and and naturally, with professional players, you're gonna you're just gonna have a lot more people watching you, right? And so, uh, just being able to enjoy that experience, um, that was something that uh, he did a really good job of. And then when we won, it was it was we were we were joyous. It wasn't something like relief at all, because um, this tournament is extremely hard to win. 
And so when you do get an opportunity to win, it's always about enjoying and, and really appreciating that journey um, through the tournament. Nice, nice. Love that answer. Thank you. Um, sorry, just one more popped in my head. I'm just wondering, because I, I would be starstruck if I met him just with what Kevin Wong's done on the beach and everything he's accomplished in our sport and nine man as well. So was there ever a moment with your, your background of, you know, following around your parents to nine man tournaments and you growing up and taking sixes really seriously, were you ever like starstruck by Kevin Wong or was there any guy you saw on circuit where you're like, Oh, like, it's really cool. I get to play against so-and-so, or did you always feel like you, you belonged at the highest level? I definitely, I think, I think Mike Lambert was like a starstruck moment for me, uh, just because he was at the top of the AVP at the time. And that was uh, the first year I got to travel. Uh, you know, he's, he's sitting right next to me and he's playing and, and thumping balls, which was like amazing to watch um, him. And then, you know, Kevin, Kevin was a really nice guy. He, he's been around the sport for some time and, um, you know, he, he's just super approachable, has a ton of fun playing. Um, you know, I think it's a, a different atmosphere, you know, from, from coming from like the beach where it's a, you know, it's a professional sport. Like they're, they're really competing out there and um, coming into like a community sport, like nine man, uh, it felt more lighthearted um, in that aspect. And he was really uh, a, such a, a nice guy. And you can see everybody approaching him just because they're all starstruck as well. And he, he handles it with grace and, and wants to take pictures with everybody. And so that, that kind of like, that kind of mindset kind of made me more comfortable playing with him. Um, but like Mike Lambert, I, you know, he was at the top of his game. So I was just like, Whoa, I can't believe he's, he's wearing the same Jersey as I am, which is, which was really unique. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Did that help frame your mindset? Cause like you talked about like your on court personality that your, your dad and you helped build and obviously seeing Kevin, is that how you're kind of, a guy who can smile and joke as you're walking to the court, but when you're playing, like it, it's going to be serious and we're here to win. Right. Cause I think that's the, the cool balance of nine man is everybody gets along for the most part. And if they don't get along, they avoid each other politely. Like I've never seen a lot of drama at the majors where guys can just flip this switch where you might be watching, I don't know, your youngest team within the same club or you're watching a buddy play, but when your game's on, everybody seems to switch on really well. So I'm wondering, is that something you've thought about in design or is it just something that happens naturally within your game? Yeah, I think I think it's the mindset that my dad kind of gave me about the sport was, you know, it's it's just it's all about community, right? And I think uh, that mentality for me meant to just be really um, open to having people come up to me and like, you know, talking to me um, and and making friendships, right? I think I think that's really what is key about the sport is, is you're creating friendships and then, and then you get to also compete against one another and then tell those stories uh, to each other when you grow up, you know, and, and get older. Um, and so I think actually that mindset came from my dad. Um, but yeah, I got to see it from Kevin as well. It's, it's just, it's a great atmosphere to be around. And then when you get to the competitive matches, you really start to focus in because of course your competitive spirit comes out and, and wants to win. Um, and so it's, it's nice to have that balance and, um, and, and very appreciative of that community, of the community to, to provide that experience. So you, you hinted at it earlier. What, uh, what finally happened for you to start your own club or excuse me, maybe I'm over speaking that you don't deserve all the credit for starting smash, but when you did switch clubs and you mentioned you wanted to be a part of your friends and create that community and also, you know, have a place to train and kind of dial it in that way. What finally happened and what were some of the logistics that went into it? Like, were there other friends pursuing the same thing or how did you guys find like all the right timing to make this happen and, and really be as competitive from the start as you guys were? Yeah, I think, um, 
you know, the mindset for me when I was with West Coast was this was an opportunity for me to get better, right? And I think that being able to play these competitive matches, high-level matches, uh, meaningful matches, uh, that just gave me the experience that I needed. Um, and then my friends were, were still playing at the time. Uh, you know, they were playing in the, the silver and bronze divisions, so they were getting better as well. Uh, but after 20, uh, 2009, I think that was the last year I played with West Coast. We, we won in L.A. And uh, that was the time when I really felt like, you know, my friends were making these experiences uh, with each other, these memories with each other that I felt like that was something that I was missing within the tournament. You know, I, I, that was the second tournament that I've won. You know, it feels great to win. But I think like having those inside jokes and being able to be part of that with my friends um, who are on a different team. I felt like that was the right time for me to, to kind of step away from West Coast and start to build something uh, with my friends. And so um, having done that, basically stepping away, you know, I called up a few friends and I was like, hey, you know, I think I'm ready to, to leave West Coast and do you want to start something? Um, and they were all game for it. And so that's kind of the journey of Smash. And that's how we, we started together. Um, you know, 2010 was our first year and, and was able to build upon that. Um, to to where it is now. Now, was there any doubt or because of that sense of community and playing with your friends there? And the only reason I ask this, I just have the, the dates in front of me where in 2011, there was a West Coast final where West Coast, or I shouldn't use West Coast twice there, excuse me, but uh, San Fran West Coast is playing against Mad Dogs at the Montreal Major. So like an all West Coast final as far as like <laughs> clubs, like were you guys, do you remember that year? Were you guys competitive or you're looking around being like, man, I like playing with my friends, but I also like winning and there's two, clo uh, two close teams in my community and they're battling in the final like did was there ever a trade-off or you knew you made the right decision from the start there no i mean when that final was happening you know of course you you, you always want to be a part of it but i think you know for us you know ever since we started we were we, we were fortunate enough to make the gold bracket every year right um although we would lose in the first round in 2010 and 2011 to mvp yeah you know, we were we were still competitive in that aspect but we weren't at that level yet and so uh, for me, you know, having played in those finals before, you know, of course I'm itching to play now as I'm watching, but at the same time, you know, I think that this is a good opportunity for, you know, my friends to be able to see kind of that next level, right? And so it was a, it was a great experience to be able to spectate that game. And then, uh, you know, next year in, in 2012 in Toronto, we were able to take that step forward and make it into the finals. Um, so that was something that I was really proud of, uh, you know, with my guys, uh, to be able to build it from the ground up. Um, but yeah, I think with all experiences, you know, and being a competitor, you want to be out there. Um, but not necessarily, you know, with the same circumstance, it was something that I was ready to move forward with, uh, with my new team. Now, is that something you've ever discussed either with a coach or your father or your teammates where, as much as we hate this in sports, sometimes you have to go through those tough moments because like you said, you, you're looking around, you start your own club, you're playing with your buddies, and then two other West Coast teams are in the final. You guys make the final the next year and you win, right? So was there any part of you where those losses are looking around being like, man, I can still see other people having success ahead of me. Like, did that spark the, the build for you guys? Like, did having to lose those tough matches really ignite getting your team over the hump there? Or, or is that just a weird coincidence that maybe we overhype in sports sometime? Uh, I think it was a mix of both. I think, you know, I coming in and, and starting Smash, you know, I knew that we, uh, 
had a lot of young guys, right? We had a lot of young guys that were inexperienced and weren't playing these types of matches before, right? And so I think that that came with, you know, a lot of tough losses in the beginning. And, and um, you know, for, for me and my mindset, it was always just about minimizing those young team mistakes, right? We were there in the gold division, but we're losing first round. You know, I think it's because we are, we just don't have the, the same experience as some of these other teams. And so it was definitely, uh, you know, it, it took some patience, right, to be able to kind of grow with the team. Um, but you can start to see, you know, year over year as we continue to play together that, you know, we were we were making steps to, to kind of push forward into that next level. Um, and so I think that that was a really good opportunity for us to, to be able to struggle together and then be able to enjoy the, the success that we've had over the last 10 years. Nice, nice. And for any of our listeners not familiar with Nine Man, I would totally recommend going back and, and listening to Wesley's episode or Edmund and Jenny because they really talk about the the history. But uh, for anyone who is familiar, they know that on, in Nine Man, we don't rotate. Like you basically play your position and you really specialize and narrow down your skills. But for you, you've got a unique twist where you might be one of the only players on the circuit who does this, that you play front row left side, but then you also join the serving rotation. I'm wondering, when did that happen? Was there anybody who kind of laughed it off being like, no, that's not how we play. That's not traditional nine man. Or were you like the one proposing this or did a coach tell you, hey, you're going to be in the serving rotation? Like, how did this decision happen? Because like I said, not too many guys on the circuit are doing this. Yeah, it was was funny. Um, So yeah, I, I played back row when I first started nine man and then I transitioned to left side when I started uh, smash. Um, but the, the, the serve that I developed, it was in like 2006, it was a, uh, like 2006, 2007. It was a local tournament. I was just super frustrated. And so I was like, what the heck? I'm just going to try to down ball uh, from the service line as hard as I can. Right. And, and basically that was that uh, from that time at the tournament, I scored like eight points in a row, which was like, whoa, what, what is this? Right. <laughs> uh, and so from there, I started utilizing the serve, um, you know, that I still have today. And then as I started to transition to left side, I was like, I was wondering, I was like, Hey, what are the rules around? Like who can serve? Right. And, and they're like, Oh, anybody can serve. I was like, Oh, great. So, so basically that's kind of how I transitioned to be like, okay, I, I'm going to serve, uh, and for one rotation and then the other rotations, I'll, I'll stay on the left side, uh, in the front row. Um, and that's really just how it came about was like, how do we utilize the serve, uh, to try to get us some points? Um, and, and just like, what are the rules around it? And there were no rules around who can't serve. And so I was like, great, let's, let's do it. Um, and that's really how it got started. Now, you probably won't admit this, so I'll pump your tires for you. It's a wicked serve, and I think people listening be like, how can a server really take over a nine-man? There's got to be like five or six people receiving, which there is. But I'm curious, when you broke out this spin serve, were you one of the only guys on the circuit doing it? Because now I think it's so popular that other guys are trying to mimic it, but I'd still say the float serve is the go-to, right? So were you one of the first guys you saw to really break out this this go-for-broke spin serve? Yeah, I don't think it was very common. I think there were some guys that were doing it, but um, yeah, the float serve was was definitely the main serve in the nine man circuit, and that that's definitely has transitioned over the last you know couple of years. You're starting to see more and more. Um, so I would say I was one of the the few top spin, spin servers. I definitely wasn't the pioneer of it, but um, it was definitely not as common when I first started uh, to where it is now. 
And again, just to confirm for our listeners, we're talking like standing. This is a true down ball because you're not allowed to jump serve it in our rules of nine man. So with that, I'm curious, what are your tactics? Like, are you honestly just going for broke and trying to hit it as hard as you can? Are you cutting the cord in half? Are you picking a seam? Like, if you could give us any secret here, what are you thinking about when you go back to the service line? <laughs> there, there's no secret. It's, it's more so make good contact on the ball um, and, and, and hit it solid. You know, I think uh, with, with the serve itself, sometimes, like, the ball will tail, and it's just the way that I hit the ball. It, it's just a... I don't know. That's just always been my swing. Uh, so I just kind of let the ball do the work after I hit the ball. But my, my whole mindset is just hitting the ball solid with good power and, and seeing if, if we can get, you know, a bad pass where it puts a lot of pressure on the other team to kind of set that high outside ball where we have, you know, three to four blockers and we can really settle in to, to get some transition balls um, to score on. Um, so that's, that's really the mindset that I have when I go to the service line is, is just putting a good, good contact on the ball and, and and seeing if we can get them out of system. Now you've spoke about your mindset. I'm wondering, did you pass this on to the team when you broke it out? Because obviously you want to contribute in every layer of the game and that's been a big part of your game since you were young. But for that guy subbing in to be the front row left side, basically playing on a commission, right? If you score, he gets to play more. If you don't, he's subbed off, right? So how does he like to approach the game? Because, excuse me, I should know his name because he does a heck of a job and he's not just a plug for you guys. He actually really contributes to the team, but not many guys can do that role. So what is the talk amongst the team that, you know, he's just not a body there to fill in so you have nine guys on the court like he's there to score points and hit in transition and, and do everything a left side needs to do right yeah yeah uh yeah his name is josh uh shout out to josh he's um but basically yeah he he's come in and played a really uh key role for us uh in our championship runs um you know it, it is hard to step in for only one rotation you know of the three when we're serving and and he's always come ready He's had some really big swings and it, it comes down to, you know, just our, our team in general. Like we have, we have a group of guys that just want to win um, and want to contribute as much as they can. And so, you know, while some people don't get as much playing time uh, as others, you know, when they are called upon, you know, we practice together and we, we always push each other to be better. And so seeing them on the court and making plays when they're on the court, you know, that's, that's something special that you get when you get to practice with your friends and get to practice with your team and seeing them succeed. Um, I think that that's a testament to their hard work and just the way that we train together. So we, we've covered the serve. I think another thing that you're a very gifted player at is, is your ability to hit these out-of-system balls. Because like you said, the block counts as a touch, which I think creates amazing rallies in nine mana and just the spectacle that now you're digging this ball that has to be set. So was that the same footwork you would use in sixes? You mentioned nine man helped you in sixes, but is there a different approach you tend to take where sometimes you're not going to get a full approach or you're at an awkward position? Like how did you approach getting these, these lack of a better term, garbage sets from just all angles of the court and still putting a good swing on them and finding opportunities to score? Yeah, I think uh, that, that really came down to, to coaching. I think, uh, um, you know, my dad, as well as some of the other coaches that, that have, that have helped me along my, my playing career is, you know, as a hitter, you're never always going to get the perfect set, right? And I think, and especially, the, especially the case when you're hitting left side and nine man. Um, but I really wanted to pride myself in being able to hit any ball that was set to me, right? And so that that took a lot of, you know, practice, a lot of reps, footwork, and I think in the nine man world, 
you know, you just don't have that time. And so for me, it was always working on those last couple of steps, the step close within my approach of getting to the ball into into a good position to be able to put my swing on it. Um, and then what, how that translated to sixes was, you know, in college, I just naturally had more time, right? I had, I had more time to be able to transition off the net, get a full approach and be able to hit, you know, the, the corners of the court. And, and Nine Man was able to teach me that because, um, I don't have the full approach. It's basically two steps coming off the block and being able to put a good swing on it. Um, so it, it took a lot of reps, a lot of coaching, and, and that's really how I was able to develop that skill set. Um, I've always had this mindset of never giving free balls, and I, I try to instill that with the team as well. Just because nine man, if you give a free ball, it's almost guaranteed the other team is going to score. Um, and so it's like, how do we put more pressure on the other team to be able to you know, make mistakes or get them out of systems. That way we have another opportunity to, to try to win a rally. Um, so that was kind of the, always the mindset and, and be able to train train my, my approach in nine man, which then translated to sixes as well. Now you, you could have already answered this, but I'm going to ask it anyways. I, I imagine your, your father's involvement in some coaches, but I'm wondering how do you like to debrief and kind of review games? Because I, I think nine man it's still volleyball, but there's a ton of unique situations that come. So I'm wondering when you're hitting against a four-man block or obviously the court's a little bit bigger so you can make like different angle shots or obviously your in-system and out-of-system game is going to change a little bit. But how did you continue to add stuff to your game where you can hit this wicked like almost cut shot with power on your in-system sets, but out-of-system you can do some totally different things where honestly it's just hard to scout you. So uh, how did you like to like keep adding layers to your game where you can do all this stuff? Because some people might say, oh, you're hitting against four blockers. It's got to be really hard. But the the one finicky rule about not being able to penetrate, obviously you can still work around it. Or with the block counties as a touch, you can challenge it. So when you're adding this stuff to your game, are you honestly debriefing or are you just having this conversation over dinner with your dad? Like where do these ideas and how to level up your game come from? Yeah, it, it definitely comes after the matches with my dad. A lot of the times, you know, he's like, hey, they're, you know, have you thought about, you know, hitting the ball where they would touch it? You know, and then they have to set it out of system, right? And 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 seeing, you know, how do, how do they respond to that, right? I think those are the different types of mental tips that he gave me that helped me to improve in my game. Because in, in the beginning, it was all about trying to hit it as hard as I can uh, into the deep corner, right? And, and and as teams get familiar with you, you know, they're gonna they're gonna scout that and they're gonna know that that's what you like to do. And so for me, it was more so how do I how do I approach it where I can put more pressure on the team, especially when you have four blocks, right? And and so that those talks have definitely helped me to be able to develop skill sets to to hitting roll shots, hitting cut shots, to hitting high hands where you know they have to set it on that second ball. Because um, I always think about as a left side hitter, how do I give my team an opportunity to score, right? And that might not necessarily be on that particular swing. But it could be on that transition free ball that they had to free ball over because they touched the ball on the block uh, and then they're scrambling to get the ball back over to, to our team where we're now in system. Um, so those are those are the types of different mindsets that I had that I was taught from, you know, our coaches and my dad, you know, and that's that's do after the match. This is what they were doing. Try to work on this. And, and that's where, you know, the reps and practice really helped as well. Nice, man. Nice. This has been great. Just a couple more questions just to pick your brain here. So with the amount of championships and finals and, and big games you've played in, with that mindset you're talking about, I'm wondering if you could just give us an example of like 
how you stay patient or how you stay invested or how you're almost banking that information you just talked about that you want to see how do they respond when I hit this shot? Like, are you really focused on being in the moment? Is somebody on the bench helping you chart these things? Like, how are you staying like competitive and intense, but also, like you said, like watching the game, seeing how people respond, figuring out what your next play is going to be like, how are you comprehending all this information when, you know, the pressure's on, there's a ton of people watching, like it's, it's a majors final. And like you said, those are not easy to make. So you want to bank them when you get there. Like, how are you yeah. taking that all in and still performing? Yeah, I think it definitely comes from experience. You know, you can't, you can't really mimic it in practice. And I think, you know, playing, playing important matches early on in my career and, and starting to learn how, you know, how we as a team adjust based on what they're doing, being able to, to identify those quickly within a match um, and seeing what, what they're doing um, as they put, put up blocks against me, uh, just being able to analyze that very quickly. That's how, that's how I've been able to approach the game. You know, I think that that experience has helped me where um, I can see what, what some teams are doing and I can see, Oh, Hey, they're not, they're not going all the way to the pin. Oh, I, I can hit line. Like, let me continue to hit that. And as they kind of push out, then I can hit angle. Right. It's kind of a, it's a, it's a whole mindset of how do I want to approach uh, the match and what they're giving me. Um, and then from there adjusting as they adjust to, to my game um, and seeing what holes and what opportunities that I can, I have to score against what they're doing. Um, and it, it comes down to, you know, yeah, coaching, you know, my dad, my dad is our coach. Um, and so him identifying certain things and also seeing what they're giving me when I'm, when I'm up there, um, being able to see the block and see the holes and, and see what opportunities that I have uh, to be able to either score or get a transition ball back over to our side. See, I'm learning even more. I didn't even know that was your dad. He's just a guy I smile and nod at and he always says hello when I'm at the majors. So that's, that's a small world. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he's been with us since the start. Um, yeah. He's, it's been great to, um, you know, share the memories with him. It's a lot of, you know, we hear a lot of stories about him playing and all our, all our other coaches were his teammates as well. Right. And so they're passing the game down to us, um, but hearing their stories and, you know, they've never won it uh, when they were playing. And so when we won our first one, it was just it was a great feeling for us to win it for them because uh, they put a ton of time, first of all, in playing and introducing us to the sport and also teaching us cons constantly. Um, you know, they, they voluntarily do that. And uh, it, it just felt great to be able to give back to them and give them a championship uh, that, that they never were able to achieve as players. Man, this has been awesome. It's been great to hear about like your game and all the championships and everything you've been a part of. But one thing I, I made a point of that I wanted to pick your brain on was just your club's involvement in the community. And I think this is showcased well with uh, the, the smash cancer push you guys really did. And the reason I bring that up is because there was a t-shirt fundraiser and you see people from all over North America buying that shirt, right? Like other men's teams, women's teams, like you go to the major and people made it a point to support you guys. So can you just let us know how, how that initiative started and what your team's been through and how you've been able to kind of come out for the better, I guess, for lack of a better term, just how you guys were able to kind of build something out of that situation. Yeah, yeah. Back in 2016, one of our guys, he was um, diagnosed with um, lymphoma. Uh, and so uh, his name is Joel. And so, you know, we we were practicing all summer and, uh, you know, he was battling cancer. And so, you know, we wanted to, to take that opportunity. I mean, it, it worked out that we had our team name was Smash, right? And so uh, we wanted to do something for him. 
uh, beyond just trying to compete and win a championship for him, but, you know, giving back uh, to the community. And so we, we printed these shirts uh, that say Smash Cancer, and, and the proceeds went to uh, one of the foundations that, uh, you know, are helping to battle cancer and, and trying to find a cure for it. And so, you know, that was a really great opportunity for us to to give back, but also just to see the amount of support that people have for our team, as well as the initiative that we had. It was just amazing. It was very humbling, you know, to be able to see people wearing our shirts uh, in tournaments. Until this day, they're they're purchasing shirts. It's just like uh, it, it's it's humbling and it's 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 fun and and just being able to see people uh, want to support us. It's it's a unique experience that. Um, you know, I'm very grateful for. I think a lot of our our team is grateful for, and I think it's just a unique environment that we we try to build, um, and we also try to you know stay humble with it. I think uh, it's all about community with with us, and and being able to see that support within the community was was great. Yeah, definitely. I, I can't hype the community enough in the nine man community, but I am a little curious. How special was it winning that year and kind of having Joel there to witness? And I think that was the Anaheim year, right, where you guys took it down. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was amazing. I mean, you know, we were in a tough match with Connex. It was the third set. And yeah, I actually remember like in the huddle, it was just like, you think this is tough, you know, think about what Joel is going through right now. Um and so it's just like, you know, putting perspective there during a match, it's just like, yeah, this is hard, but we're gonna push forward. You know, he's pushing forward, we're pushing forward. You know, we're going to give it our all, you know, win or lose. We're going to be happy with, with the outcome, uh, with our effort. But yeah, that was a special, that was a special one for us because, uh, you know, we were able to do it for Joel. Um, and actually we, we did lose one of our other coaches following that year. He was, he was, he was a shot. And so basically that was the last, uh, championship that we were able to experience with, with one of our coaches as well. I wasn't aware of that. Sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely, a, a, you know, uh, for us, it was a tough moment. You know, one of my dad's good friends, he was our other coach with my dad. You know, that, that's where some of the Benson Strong, um, that's where you see that. It was, he, he, was, uh, he was our coach. He was, you know, killed at work. Uh, and, and basically, that, was, that 2016 year was a special year for us, looking back. You know, not only during that time being able to win for him, but that was that was the one year that you know, the last year that we were able to kind of celebrate a championship with with our other coach, which was you know very special. Now, obviously, the the world's on hold, and that means volleyball's on hold. But you mentioned that the shirts have been a big part of the project. So, if somebody did want to purchase, are they still available? And where should they look if they they want to support this? Yeah, um, we we haven't printed any shirts recently. So they're not available, but when you do, you can you can follow uh, Josh. He's our he's our social media guy. He he he's very popular. He actually made it on ESPN in 2016 uh, for the hitting lines highlight that he had. Um, but he he'll be the one that you can follow. And if if we do print shirts, I'm sure he'll he'll start posting about it. So that way you can you can support uh, our team as well as just the community that we're that we're a part of. Sweet. What's uh, Josh's ad or what's his last name? His name is Penwell Barina, uh, but his his handle is Spider Penweezy. 
so uh, you can look up Spider Pinweezy, and uh, he's got like thirty thousand followers. And so, um, yeah, follow him, and, and then you'll be able to to see if we have any new shirts available for purchase. Sweet. I was going to say, yeah, I just typed that in and it came up pretty fast. So uh, definitely the guy to follow. <laughs> it's a unique handle, but uh, uh, you, you can find him really quickly. Awesome, man. I, I could talk about this all night and I feel like you have a ton of stories, but I, I did promise you an hour, so we'll, we'll cut it there. But the one tradition we're trying to make on the show is just to tell a, a funny story that volleyball has given you an opportunity for. So with the, the length you've played, both sixes and nines, and all the travel you've done uh, for both sports, I, I'm hoping there's a story from the road or a funny teammate over the years where you could leave me and the listeners with a laugh before we let you go. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, a funny story was essentially my first year when I was traveling to the majors in Toronto. Uh, that was the year that, you know, I was playing with Mike Lambert, uh, Kevin Wong, Scott Wong. And I just remember we were going to the banquet. So the tournament always has a banquet uh, where everyone gets together, eats food, you know, drinks, and just really get to hang out with one another. And so I'm in this cab, and I'm in the cab with Kevin Wong, Scott Wong, and Mike Lambert. And I'm in the middle of the cab. <laughs> I'm in the middle seat in the back. It's like, what, like, what is happening right now? Uh, you know, I'm 16 years old, and I'm getting squished by these guys that are like 6'8". Uh, and then we get to the get to the banquet and, you know, we're a rookie. I'm a rookie at that time. And so the initiation was to go on stage and dance. Um, and so, you know, it was me, Mike Lambert and a couple other guys. And essentially, you know, Mike Lambert, he 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 enjoyed it. He basically grabbed the mic and he started sing, rapping this AVP song. And, and we're just up on the stage dancing. I was just like, this is a crazy experience. But it was like one of the most fun and funny funny stories that I was able to experience and, and I wouldn't have gotten that without nine man. And so it, it was an awesome time, but it was also really funny just cause I was just like the 16 year old kid on stage dancing like a fool well, as Mike Lambert was ramp, uh, rapping his AVP song. <laughs> uh, that's awesome because when I first started coaching Nine Man, I was like, we initiate? Like, isn't that a little like barbaric in a sense? Like that's a pretty old school thing to do. And they're like, don't worry. Like people are always like nervous before, but they always laugh about it. And I think these are the things that contribute to the stories afterwards where a, a ton of clubs have a tradition and they do the same thing every year. And it, it is this rite of passage thing. But I think honestly, the people being initiated really enjoy what they're doing that night. Mm-hmm. They do, they do, and it's it is funny stories that that you get to tell. But yeah, I mean, certain teams take it take it further than others, but for the most part, it, it it's all in good fun, and and people get to laugh about it. You know, when their second year, when they're they're now, uh, you know, they're now doing that to the rookie that of that year. So it's, it's pretty funny, and it's it's fun to see that passed down from uh, year after year. Well, man, this has been awesome. It's been great to learn about your career and pick your brain on the game because. Like I said before the show, I, I've talked to a few people and I was like, who would be really good ambassador for Nine Man? And they're like, oh, you got to talk to Justin. Like that guy will fill in you in on the on the West Coast scene and also talk about his career. I was like, I send you one message and all of a sudden you're in. So it just shows your character and your love of the community of the sport and, and everything you've done and everything you're going to continue to do. So so thanks for taking the time to chat with us and teach us more about your career. Yeah, thanks for having me, Josh. It was a pleasure. It was uh, fun to talk uh, during this time and and. While we can't play nine man right now, it's fun to be able to live through the stories that, uh, you know, we experienced in the past. So I appreciate you reaching out to me.